Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to a bonus edition of Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr. Susie Gage. I was lucky enough to be able to chat to Dr Sally Adams recently, a scientist from the University of Bath who I used to work with in Bristol a few years ago. Sally's a health psychologist with an interest in alcohol and its effects, including hangovers. So while she was in Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, I took the opportunity to chat to her about her research and the phenomenon of hangovers in general. So here we are, Dr Sally Adams and I say why to hangovers, something I'm sure a lot of us have said at one point or another. Say why to drugs with Dr. Susie Gage. Excellent. So today I am joined by Dr. Sally Adams from the University of Bath. Um, and do you want to tell us a bit about your job, Sally, what it is that you do? Yes, I'm a health psychologist, which means I look at health behaviours such as drinking and smoking. And mostly I look at sort of the way that these drugs influence the way that we think and the way that we behave. So and part of the reason that I've asked you to come on the podcast, Sally, is because you've got a particular area of research that I think people are going to find very interesting. Because you research hangovers, don't you? Yes, uh, in our lab we've been looking at sort of what influences hangovers, um, how hangovers might occur, is there such thing as a hangover cure? These are some of the things that we're interested in answering. Amazing. So can we start sort of really basic? I feel like I know what a hangover is. So what are the sort of, let's start really simple, like if I drink loads yesterday, how am I going to feel today? Well... Um, hangover really is a collection of symptoms, I guess, that you do experience the next day, as you know, you've just suggested. So that might include some physical symptoms such as having a headache, having an upset stomach, feeling really thirsty or tired, but also sort of psychological symptoms which people might not think about quite as much. So feeling irritable, feeling that you can't concentrate, sometimes feeling really down or uh, anxious. So all of those, like, they're all things that by themselves you could potentially measure. But to actually sort of define a hangover in sort of scientific terms, that's quite difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's something that's been um, sort of a real bone of contention in the area of hangover research. It's quite difficult to define exactly what 
makes up a hangover, if you like, apart from experiencing those symptoms the next day after an episode of heavy drinking. Um, Unlike intoxication or being drunk, which we can sort of measure with a breathalyzer and other types of equipment, um, it's really difficult to capture that with a hangover, as we think that hangover is essentially when all the alcohol has left your body and the way that you're feeling then. Mm. So here's another probably quite difficult question. Why? Why do we get hangovers? Why, after we drink, do we feel so absolutely horrendous the next day? So again, a difficult question in the fact that we're not entirely sure at the moment, but we do know that there are definitely several processes that are happening in your body the day after drinking a lot of alcohol. Mm. So we think there's quite an inflammatory response. So um, your body's, your immune system is working really hard. We also know that you're really dehydrated because alcohol essentially makes us go to the toilet a lot, makes us wee a lot. Um, So we're really dehydrated. Um, We also know that your liver is working really hard to metabolise alcohol. Um, And usually you're sleep deprived as well. So it's probably a combination of all these different things that makes you feel so awful. So there's something, when Pip and I did the podcast about alcohol, which uh, if you haven't listened to that before, I'd really recommend because we're not really going to talk that much about the intoxication effects of alcohol in this podcast. It's more about the next day. But one thing that, that we touched upon in that podcast was that the sort of, effects on the brain of alcohol I think Pip described it as kind of a dirty bomb going off in the brain that it seems like alcohol has an effect on almost all the neurotransmitters in the brain do you think is that a fair summary have I got that right yep I'd say that's fairly spot on um it's certainly a dirty drug in the fact that other drugs have one or maybe a couple of receptors that they um activate but alcohol really does have a global effect and when you think about it that's why it's such a bizarre experience being drunk because it affects your speech it affects the way that you behave it affects um, you know your movement you know you might not be able to walk as well if you've drunk a lot of alcohol so yeah it, it, it practically affects every neurotransmitter having a very global effect on your brain and because the next day obviously we're seeing a reduction in um alcohol there's alcohol is leaving the brain and the body um it's bound to sort of have a kind of global effect the next day too so in terms of sort of in the brain does that mean that we've sort of the levels of our neurotransmitters are are sort of a bit wrong really absolutely the next day there's going to be quite a change so perhaps um what we see with alcohol anyways it's kind of a biphasic drug so the things and the behaviors and thought processes you see on the way up are usually quite positive and then as alcohol starts to leave your body um you start to see quite different effects and more sedative effects you start to feel tired um so that kind of can continue to the next day Mm. so biphasic you mean it has these two different kind of effects so it can make you feel good at one moment and then really bad at the next. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're um, becoming intoxicated, you're going from that kind, you're becoming tipsy, you're becoming drunk. You tend to feel that kind of quite euphoric relaxation buzz. And then what we see when people sort of stop drinking and there's this tail off, start to feel those negative effects. Mm. So um, sort of more depressant effects of alcohol, which sometimes people refer to. Um, So feeling tired, feeling... um, sick nauseous those kind of feelings yeah I mean I guess it makes sense that hangovers are quite complicated because 
intoxication can feel very different from person to person or from drinking experience to drinking experience. Sometimes when you get drunk, you might feel, oh, I feel amazing, I feel really energetic, I want to, like, go out and go dancing. And other times you might get drunk and just want to sort of sob into your cushion and on the sofa, <laughs> uh, I imagine. <laughs> so I guess it makes sense that the... Uh, the effects of hangover might be quite varied from drinking experience to drinking experience and between between person to person. Absolutely, yeah. So it can, there's so many things that affect the way um, that you feel when you're drinking, as you mentioned. So how, what you've eaten that day, um, whether you've exercised, sometimes the mindset that you're in before you started drinking, um, but also from person to person, absolutely. So body weight, um, rate of metabolism of alcohol, these things affect you know, how drunk we become. So by and large, they affect how how we feel the next day. Because mm. I put a little bit of a shout out on Twitter and on Facebook just before we started recording this to ask people, if they could ask a person who researches hangovers anything, um, what would it be? And by far the most common question, I think, was why is it that I can drink the same thing on two separate occasions and on one occasion I'll feel great and on the other occasion I'll feel awful the next day? And I think that's quite a difficult question, isn't it? It is really difficult. And researchers are starting to kind of look at this. Um, so is is there a kind of a, a certain events or things that happen to us when we're drinking or before we start drinking that might impact on what happens the next day? Um, but I think it's fair to say that, that there isn't a lot of research in this area at the moment. Mm. So... I've got quite a lot of myths on the list, which I guess I, we probably don't necessarily know whether they're myths or not, but we might have okay. some idea about why they might have come about. So um, the first one is about mixing drinks. So we all know the little rhyme, beer before wine, feel fine. Wine before beer, feel not so fine. Um, but I've also heard that rhyme being said the other way round as well. So some people really believe it to be the opposite. Um, so why do you think these kind of myths come about? And is there anything to be said for just sticking to one type of alcohol versus mixing drinks? So there has been some research actually done in this area, mostly looking at contrasting drinks that are dark in colour versus those that are sort of lighter. Oh, right. So a comparison of perhaps things like brandy and red wine which anecdotally sometimes people say do give Gives them a worse, hangover, a worse yeah. hangover, compared with sort of clear spirits like gin and vodka. And some of the science behind that suggests something called uh, congeners, okay. which are a chemical that's produced in the fermentation process of alcohol, suggesting that some of these darker drinks contain more of these chemicals, and perhaps that's what contributes to some of the experience of hangover, so the dehydration, for example. Mm. Um, but a very small amount of research in that area that's not really conclusive. And as far as the mixing drinks thing is concerned, um, I can't think of a particular piece of research that looks at that. But what I would think is that it's all alcohol at the end of the day. Mm. Um, so really, the form that it in probably shouldn't make too much of a difference. Yeah. Um, might be due to expectations that we hold about certain drinks, drinks that we're used to drinking, for example. Yeah. Um, expectations can really affect how alcohol um, 
influences us essentially so perhaps having an expectation that if you drink red wine you're going to feel really awful the next day could potentially be enough i think this is something we've talked about in lots of the other podcasts as well that um the set and the setting of how you use substances can have a big impact on how they affect you like we certainly talked about it in the heroin episode and i think we also talked about it in the alcohol episode as well that if you're in certain situations drinking you might find yourself feeling more drunk mm-hmm. than if you're in other situations mm-hmm. and i i feel like i've read somewhere that the reason you might think that mixing your drinks is worse is because the nights that you tend to mix your drinks are the nights that you drink more heavily anyway like if you're at home having a glass of wine um you might drink quite a bit of wine but you probably wouldn't drink as much as if you like had some wine at home then went out had a couple of gin and tonics went to a pub had some beer then went to a club and had some spirits it's probably the nights when you're i don't know do you think do you think there's something in that i think that makes perfect sense as a common sense um explanation and most of these things are common sense um yeah that you probably do mix your drinks more if you're going to different bars or you know rather than being at home sat on the sofa and it Um, might just be that because you're out you're drinking more than you would drink at home yeah and it and it absolutely affects you differently as you suggested from the other podcast so most people feel that they can drink a lot more if they're home in their living room than they can if they're out on the town for Mm. example yeah Okay, so should we get on to some more myths that, that we've been sort of sent or that we've come up with uh, just chatting before we started recording? Um, there's lots of sort of hangover cure type myths. So things like what you should do is you should drink a pint of water before you go to bed. Or what you should do is you should drink water equivalent to all the drinks that you've had through the night. So if you drank 10 pints, you should get home and then drink 10 pints of water before you go to bed. <laughs> What's why? Why do you think this myth? Why 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 drink water before you go to bed? And does it have any effect? You reckon? Well, definitely, part of having a hangover is definitely dehydration, mm. and that's why you wake up and your mouth feels absolutely awful. Um, so drinking water is definitely going to help with the dehydration aspect. Yeah. It's also going to help if you've got a, a headache as a result of your hangover. But it's probably not going to help with some of the other things that we know that cause a hangover. So the inflammation aspect, but also um, the metabolism of alcohol. So regardless of how much water you drink the night before or the day after, you're still going to have the same amount of alcohol in your system. And the point that you mentioned about sort of drinking water, perhaps having a glass of water for every alcoholic drink Mm. you have, will certainly um, change the amount of alcohol that you drink because some of that time you'll simply be drinking water. So you're probably to get through less alcoholic drinks. Oh, Um, right. So people who say, oh, I I never get hangovers because I drink a pint and then I drink a pint of water and then I drink a pint... Basically, they just don't drink as much as the people who aren't mixing it with the water. Probably, yeah. yeah they're probably not just getting through as many alcoholic <laughs> drinks because some of those alcoholic drinks are being replaced yeah. by water. So it works, but not for yeah. the reason that they necessarily <laughs> think. Yes. Uh, that makes sense. So other other sort of hangover cures that people have sent in is why do I crave sort of a fry up the next morning's salty and fatty foods in particular seem to be what people crave the night after a heavy night. Or is that just sort of laziness after when you feel really rough, you don't want to sort of spend ages preparing a healthy breakfast? Um, we've all got sort of go-to foods, I think, when we feel hungover, things that, you know, might have made us feel better in the past. Um, 
it's one of those things that I often frequently get asked about doing mm-hmm. research in this area. Um, so I'm going out tonight. What can I, what, you know, what's going to make me feel better tomorrow morning? Um, and as far as the research is concerned, there's, <laughs> it looks really that there is, hangover cures are a bit of a, well, they are a myth. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing really that's going to take away the sense of misery, I think, was written in a piece of research <laughs> that you might feel the next day. Um, I guess there is probably things that have worked for you in the past, expectation that certain things are going to work, salt probably replacing some of the salt that you've lost or the dehydration mm. aspect. But, it, you know, it's it's very unlikely that anything's really going to yeah, scientifically be proven to... Um, Cure a hangover. Yeah, apart from time. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the the passing of time rather than the herb. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't last really any more than uh, twenty four hours. Although there is the obviously the the big myth of the two day hangover. Mm. Yes, um, and then the another question that I had an awful lot when I when I put a shout out on on Facebook and Twitter, and this may something about say something about the people who I'm friends with on Facebook and Twitter. And it's certainly something that I've wondered as well is, why does it feel like your hangovers just get worse as you get older? That is a common thing that I'm asked too. Mm-hmm. Um, so why, you know, why could I seemingly go out and drink loads of alcohol and feel okay the next day when I was in my 20s, but actually as I've got older, you know, it's awful or it lasts two days. Yeah. One of the reasons um, some research has indicated this, but we think that this might be happening, is that actually as you get older, your drinking episodes are less frequent. Mm. So you're probably building up more of a tolerance when you're younger because you're doing the heavy episodic drinking and experiencing the hangover the next day. Um, Whereas when you get older, those episodes are less frequent. So you're less tolerant to alcohol and... The, the hangover that you're experiencing is a result of that, mm. your reduced tolerance, essentially. Has anyone looked at whether, as on top of that, there is an effect of age on alcohol and hangover? I can think of one study that's looked at uh, younger and older adults, and they did find that the older adults were experiencing a greater um, amount of al- alcohol hangover symptoms, so they were feeling the physical and the psychological effects, but they did find that that was confounded by the fact that these people were drinking less frequently. Mm. Makes sense. And I suppose that slightly brings us on to why why do some people just seem to be able to avoid hangovers? Like in the alcohol podcast when Scroobius Pip and I were talking, he says that he's one of those people and it really annoys his friends because he doesn't drink very often, but when he does drink heavily, he hardly ever seems well never seems to get a hangover what's with that that's not fair right <laughs> absolutely um there are we have some colleagues in the netherlands who are looking at whether there can be this claim of hangover immunity mm. um and they're sort of looking at taking two groups of people and giving them the same amount of alcohol and then seeing uh, what happens the next day and they are finding significant differences between certain groups of individuals um they haven't been able to look at factors that might feed into that but there's a suggestion that perhaps um some people metabolize alcohol quite differently um and 
that seems to look like it might be due to genetic reasons. Mm. So that is potentially one of the underlying things is that it's the way that we metabolise alcohol. Um, or, or more simply, perhaps some people are just drinking more. They're more used to drinking, so they are more tolerant to the effects of hangover. Yeah. So ongoing research is the answer, but at the moment we don't really know why some people just seem to dodge these hangover-shaped bullets that fly at them. <laughs> yeah, this is such a sort of a very new area of research and that's why it's such a fantastic field to work in. If you look at scientific papers related to intoxication, you'll find hundreds of thousands. If you look for those on alcohol hangover, you, you may find a hundred. Mm. This is a really under-researched area and there are obviously loads of questions. Yeah, actually that really brings me nicely onto the next question I was about <laughs> to ask you, which is how on earth do you go about researching hangovers? Because I, I, well, I used to work uh, with Sally in, in Bristol Uni before we both moved off to different things and I remember taking part in some of your studies into alcohol intoxication and that was quite easy to do. You sort of you weighed participants, you could measure out the exact dose of alcohol that you were giving them and then you knew within sort of parameters of how intoxicated a person or how much alcohol certainly a person had had in comparison to their body weight so how much that should lead to an intoxication effect and it was all very sort of regimented and ordered but hangover is kind of the opposite of that it's that it's the next day so what like how do you do it well we really had to go back to the drawing board because all the techniques that we knew for looking at intoxication were completely different so the first hurdle is how how are you going to get people into a hungover state? Mm. And um, there have been two kind of two methods in the research. You can either let people go out and do what they would normally do on an evening where they were drinking, or you can give people the alcohol in the lab, um, in in very much the method that you just described. Um, but in order to become hungover the next day, that involves giving people quite a lot of alcohol. Not necessarily that ethical to yeah. do in a lab-based situation. So the approach we've gone in for in our research is to let people have a normal night out and we book them in for a session the next day yeah. to come in. Um, but instead of looking for sort of a certain amount of alcohol, what we're looking for is people to come into the lab when they've got no alcohol in their system. So yeah. they've been drinking the next they're drinking the day before, but we want to capture them the next day when all of the alcohol has left their body, because that is technically what hangover is. If you've still got a little bit of alcohol in your system, you're still drunk, essentially, yeah. you're still intoxicated. So we have these poor people come into the lab the next day with a, a terrible hangover. We make sure that there's no alcohol left in their system by breathalyzing them. And then we get them to complete... Um, perhaps computerised tasks or questionnaires. Um, we ask them how they're feeling. And we're trying to capture... At the moment, we're trying to look at whether people's performance is impaired the next day, mm -hmm. so reaction times. Things, um, you know, driving behaviour, uh, work performance. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess, do you get a lot of dropouts in terms of recruitment, like people who are just feeling too hungover to even come in and do an experiment? We haven't encountered that as a barrier yet, but I'm I'm 100% sure that that's going to happen. Um, 
we're quite lucky at Bath, we're a campus university, so hopefully... <laughs> <laughs> it's not far for them to come. It's not too far, yes, yeah. And you've got a, a handy, probably, potentially, quite heavy drinking population on your doorstep. That's the uh, plan. Yeah. <laughs> so what sort of questions are you hoping to investigate in Hangover People? You mentioned sort of things like reaction times in terms of affecting driving, but, like, what are the key questions for you? What do you really want to know about hangovers? So the one one thing that we do know is perhaps there are hangovers are a consequence of hang of drinking that we haven't really looked at before. So we all know that you know there are health effects associated with drinking that it costs um, policing and hospitals quite a lot when people are intoxicated. But what we looked at in the figures is that actually due to days off sick, hangover costs the UK economy about. 6.4 billion wow <laughs> so whilst we know that that's happening what we don't know really is whether there's any loss of productivity so the idea that you go into work the next day hungover and essentially you're not very good at your job yeah. so we're interested in whether there are certain sort of thought processes or behaviors that are impaired the next day that mean you shouldn't go to work you know what if your job is a surgeon or you operate heavy machinery or you're going to drive to work mm. with the driving example if you're stopped by the side of the road and breathalyzed and the reading was zero that would be fine you'd be allowed to carry on driving but actually perhaps there is something going on when you're hungover that we're not able to capture and potentially is dangerous yeah because at the moment, obviously, there's no laws against driving with a hangover or anything like that. Has there been any research into hangovers and driving yet? Yeah, actually, one of our collaborators has done some research in this area. And they found that compared to actually when you're sober, driving when hungover could mean that you swerve more in the road, essentially, which is, you know... Really not, problematic. Not great. No, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So I guess that's an area of sort of ongoing research at the moment. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Just to look at whether there are any sort of next day detriments as yeah. a result of being hungover. And an important part of our research is to determine whether that's purely due to things like being tired um, from a day of drinking the day before or whether there is something about this hangover state that means that you are impaired in the way that you think and behave. So actually that's something we haven't really talked about yet, is sort of, we talked about the symptoms, but we didn't really get into why we might have these symptoms so much. So you mentioned there tiredness, so alcohol intoxication can affect our, our sleep, is that right? Oh, absolutely. I think anybody who's ever drank alcohol mm. or has ever had a, a heavy evening of drinking may experience disturb sleep you can't get to sleep um, you wake up in the night um, you wake up earlier than you would have liked uh, so that is absolutely something we have to factor into our research yeah so we've talked about sort of the sleep problems the dehydration problems the sort of immune response to what is essentially drinking well, I don't want to use the word poison because obviously anything can be a poison at high enough level. Uh, water can be a poison at a high enough level, but something that basically is doing harm to your body. So Absolutely. the next day your immune system is high and we talked about that. Yeah, it's a massive inflammatory response, essentially, mm. a hangover. Yeah. And what what else is there? that Because um, it affects your, the, your blood vessels, is that right? So 
Yeah, that, yeah. Is that why we get headaches? Yeah, I think one of the reasons when you're dehydrated is that your your body's desperately trying to get water from wherever it can. And one of the ways it does that is to take water from your brain, essentially. Uh, so there's this dilation of blood vessels, which is more likely to give us uh, a headache, essentially. But also our body's working really hard. Our liver is working really hard mm. to metabolise alcohol. Um, it has to change it into different chemicals so that it can be passed through the body. Um, that's hard work for your liver. I guess this kind of makes it apparent of why we probably, like, hangovers have a lot of symptoms and hangovers can seem different for different kinds of different people and in different drinking situations. It's because there's so much going on with alcohol, like, not just so many different neurotransmitters in the brain, but all over your body as well. There's all of this other stuff going on too. Uh, absolutely, yeah. The, the, it's a real shock to your body mm. if you've drank a lot the night before, the next day. You know, everything that we've talked about, so the idea of the inflammation, the inflammation can also be in the stomach lining as well, actually. Oh, wow. So that's why you experience sometimes gastro yeah, symptoms sort of the next day. Extreme nausea and... <laughs> uh, or an upset stomach, yeah. absolutely. So you know, it's um, it's a very all-encompassing experience having a hangover. Actually, one of, <laughs> one of the questions that someone that someone tweeted was, why does my neck ache? I've never wow, understood why my ache. neck aches. <laughs> but I guess that's probably related to headache, right? Or Could be, could be dance, mo- dance moves. Dance <laughs> moves, oh, of course. But sometimes you do get that kind of whole body, like weak muscles and just feeling like you've sort of fallen down some stairs I mean possibly when you were intoxicated you did fall down some (laughs) stairs but it does seem to have that kind of but maybe that's the inflammation thing right yeah possibly I hadn't thought about that before but yeah that that does make sense it's just a massive assault on your brain and body which brings us nicely to the next question when will I learn someone tweeted (laughs) that is such a interesting question um because as a psychologist <laughs> as we're both psychologists yeah. uh, um the one thing that you know this idea of negative reinforcement basically which is that if something really horrible happens to you after a behavior you're probably not going to do it again yeah. very classic psychology so for example when you have a hangover and you're sick that should be really reinforcing and mean that you don't do, you know, negatively yeah. reinforcing and you don't do it again because you've been punished. Is that what sort of the opposite of Pavlovian conditioning kind of thing? Yes. Is that the type of psychology that we're talking about here? Oh, yeah, yeah. that kind of operant yes. conditioning. So the idea is that if you punish a behaviour, it won't happen again. Yeah. Um, so, so why doesn't that work with hangovers? Well, one of the reasons we think... Well, we all know someone who has been horribly sick with a hangover and and sworn, I am never doing it again. And then a week later, a day later, Mm -hmm. and lo and behold, the gin is cracked open again. Absolutely. It's very rare that anybody that has a hangover doesn't have another one at some (laughs) point in their lifetime. Um, So... So obviously it's not negatively reinforcing enough. Mm. Um, but one of the reasons why we think that that might happen is that there's too much of a delay between having your great night the night before and all the positive things that you associate with being drunk or intoxicated and then the terrible feeling the next day. There's just too much of a delay, if you like, in the punishment arriving. So even though we know sort of 
cognitively we know we know consciously in our heads that the reason that we're feeling like this is because we got drunk the night before but it's not it doesn't have that kind of conditioning effect of like the bell ringing and the and the salivating (laughs) dogs because there's just too much of a gap between the good times and the bad times (laughs) absolutely or perhaps that the good times are more easily remembered and we might choose to remember (laughs) the good times better and also that they that they're more salient for us. The experience of the positives we get from alcohol are overriding yeah, the, the terrible feeling the next day. But actually, at sort of speaking of memory, I think that that might be this, there's something interesting there with memory because we know that intoxication can can affect our memory. But do we know anything about how hangover might affect our memory? Oh, that's really interesting, actually. Um, I'm not sure whether we might sort of have different memory for what happened the night before or... We know with alcohol that there are definitely memories and expectations that people hold about drinking or perhaps about hangover. So perhaps if you're quite used to experiencing a hangover, you might think this is going to be no biggie. Mm. This is going to go in a few hours. Um, So we know that sort of expectations and memories about how we think about drinking are quite important. But whether there is actually an effect of hangover on memory. Yeah. Oh, um, well, there you go. Research idea for you. Excellent. Since, since uh, Pip gave me a research idea <laughs> in the e-cigarette episode, I think it's fair for me to, to share the love. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, and before we wrap up, there was one more question that someone tweeted in that I thought was a really good uh, point to end. So this was from Dick Turpin on Twitter, and he says, Have you found out anything useful besides don't drink too much? Oh, wow. (laughs) What a question. Um, So we are finding out, we are looking into finding out sort of what are these differences that mean that some people have worse hangovers than others or what are some of the factors that might influence hangover. Um, As I said, this is such a relatively new area of research um, that we're really at an exciting point and we're just trying to find out some of the answers to the questions that you've been asking me. So at the moment, we do know that (laughs) one of the most fail-safe things is that if you don't want a hangover, don't drink too much. Yeah. Um, But we're really hoping that this is a new and exciting area of research that we're going to be able to have more answers real soon. Yeah, but I mean, that is the best hangover prevention and hangover cure of all is don't drink too much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's one thing that I'm always asked. Can you tell me how I can prevent my hangover? And the, the real answer is just not to drink too much. <laughs> well, Dr. Sally Adams, thank you so much uh, for speaking to me, and um, good luck with all of your research. Thank you, and thank you for having me. <laughs> And there we go. Thanks so much to Sally for her time and her insight and to everyone who got in touch with us with myths and questions for her. Regular Say Why to Drugs content will continue in two weeks' time as Scroobius Pip and I have just recorded another batch of episodes. So keep your eyes peeled every other Thursday as usual. Bye! You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray and the artwork was by at my name is at. 
Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council, and Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.